Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need James Cameron like we need our coffee. I mean, we need movies. Just kidding, folks. We're here to rank all of James Cameron's movies to wrap up our James Cameron blend of the month. And Christian, it has been a very fun November going through Big Jim's filmography. How do you feel? This year, we've seen all of his narrative-directed features. That we have. And... I'm okay with that. We watched Titanic for the show six or seven months ago, earlier this year. And, and now we saw the other seven this month. And then we got around to the rest of them, of course, covering a few of them here on the show. We started with The Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day, then went in between those two to watch Aliens, and finally wrapped things up with Avatar, which we returned to after it was covered briefly on the billion-dollar episode we did back in the day with the Color Brothers. And in between, you and I fit in the rest of his movies, those being True Lies, one more with Arnold Schwarzenegger, The Abyss, another uh, original concept set down, deep down under the sea, and his ill-fated directorial debut, debut maybe with an asterisk, but Piranha 2, The Spawning. Now, Christian, did you do any other James Cameron homework? Because he has contributed as a writer, he's got his start in Hollywood in special effects, and he's, of course, produced movies that he did not write nor direct, so anything else that you fit in for our guy, James Cameron? No, I, no but I have seen his short film... I think it's called Exogenesis. Yeah, Xenogenesis or Xenogenesis. something like that. It, it's very cool. It's a very interesting thing, and you watch it, and you're like, this guy will be the guy who ends up making Aliens and Terminator. So I highly recommend it. It's like seven minutes long. It, cool. it, it's really, really cool. It's on YouTube. Cool. Well, go check out Xenogenesis, folks. Your first recommendation of the day. But, Christian, this is your month, so as we rank James Cameron's movies, I turn it to you just to share the, the format that we'll be using and we could probably just jump right in. Okay. So he has eight narrative-directed features. He didn't write all of them. Uh, he wrote seven of them. The one he didn't write, let's just say we know where that's going to be ranked. Number one, baby. Um, now, we're going to go through. I'm going to give eight. You're going to give seven. We're going to go all the way to one. Um, when we start fighting, that's when we're going to break format and just <laughs> see how to fit it. And All right. Well, we, we can talk a little bit about the movies that we did not discuss on the show, just to say what it is that we think places it in the ranking that it is ends up being in. Yep. And uh, that's that's just how we're going to do it. Yeah, we might recommend or say where they're streaming, if they're streaming anywhere. But other than that, you ready to start? I'm ready to start, Christian, and I have a strong sense that we have the same number eight movie for our guy James Cameron. Yo, Piranha 2 The Spawning is not, is, is not, is, don't watch it. Piranha 2 The Spawning is our, our shared number eight movie. I, I mentioned a second ago it's a debut with an asterisk, and that is because, infamously, this movie had a troubled production and uh, behind the scenes the situation and James Cameron in all likelihood actually I mean this is probably this is just confirmed did not get to finish the movie it was pretty clear that the producer who is uh, goes by the name of Ovidio Asiatis I believe 
he was very keen on directing this movie himself. He had made a few others, but as part of his distribution deal and, and with the production companies he was working with, they needed an American name for the movie. So he brought in one guy and fired him before they started shooting, and then brought in James Cameron, who was able to put in a few weeks of work before he was also dismissed, and Asiatis finished the This movie's the so boring. It is so boring. And the, so piranha, the, the piranhas fly? The piranhas fly, all of a sudden. Which is, you know, <coughs> great. It has almost no connections as well to the original Piranha movie, which was directed by Joe Dante a few years earlier. Because the original Piranha did not have piranhas that fly. No, it had regular... I mean, the piranhas in that movie were even a little more dangerous because they were, like, experimented on by the government or whatever. I think... The, no, these are those same piranhas, though, that made it into the ocean. Oh, that's right. And they can now survive in salt water. That's right. That's which right. Which is, like, great. And they've evolved to fly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Piranha 2, it is, it is not a good there movie. There are so many boobs in these movies, also. Way, way too many boobs. It, 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 it's, it's very much like, a, what does a horny teenager want, and how do we give it to them with cheap... This is the kind of like the definition of a B-movie. I mean, I would go lower than that. <laughs> but yes, you're right. Like These kinds of horror sequels that were produced by... You know, enterprising European businessmen who wanted to be involved in film with a cast of unknowns or people who would maybe go on to minorly successful careers. I mean, he, he worked with Lance Erickson. Yeah, Lance Erickson is actually in Piranha 2, The Spawning. He's one of the main characters. And it's funny to see him with the rest of the cast, many of whom would not appear in another movie or like, would have a very small career in comparison to Henriksen, who is an iconic face and voice for his roles in other James Cameron movies and other science fiction horror movies. All the men are shirtless at all times. If not, then they're wearing a button-down shirt with no shirt underneath, and it's open. Yeah. So, you know, I mean... Piranha 2 is very bad. It is poorly made. Oh, man. It's not scary at all. There's some gratuitous nudity that's uncomfortable to watch. All, All in all... It starts off with, like, these people try to do a deep sea dive in order to have sex inside of a ship. Yeah. And this girl, like, takes out this man's knife and uses it to cut his speedo. So that she can, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, not not a good movie. So, did you watch the original Piranha? Version? Yeah, I did. I, I would recommend that. I don't think it's amazing. The, the, but... the creature work on that, I think, is, is, is interesting. I also think that movie is really boring. Yeah, it's it's... It's not the best, and some people really love it as a cult classic, and I would say if you're kind of just ticking off some boxes, Joe Dante is a notable director, and the original Piranha can be a good time. It, it like Christian finds it kind of boring, and I don't really blame him, but Piranha 2 is definitely one to steer clear of, unless a you're absolutely... A lot of boobs in the first Piranha, also. <laughs> I mean, less than Piranha 2, unless my memory <laughs> fails me. It's just no reason. This girl's trying to distract the guy, and she like flashes. Oh, the that's app, painful. Remember? Yeah, that was just she, that, so yeah. cringy. That is, yep. So Piranha Two, that's a skip. It's not streaming anywhere either, which is for the best. <laughs> I ended up buying it. Christian purchased it, so he can return it to re- return to it whenever he needs. The price was the same as renting with a coupon, apparently. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, look, we had to watch it. We got through it. We did. We knew that in our lives we would watch Piranha 2. And it's notably the one that Cameron did not write. Yes. Um, actually, Which? that's not true. <laughs> no, he didn't write it. Yes, he did. 
No, he didn't. He is the H. A. Milton. He is credited as H. A. Milton, which is James Cameron's pseudonym. Oh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's Charles H. Elgie. It's unclear. I, I thought on IMDb it said that James Cameron wrote it under a pseudonym, and he's credited as a writer on Letterboxd <laughs> with Charles Egley. So maybe he did write it after all. A video, oh, it's a video asanitis. Asanitis? I don't know. He has made other movies that you can check out if you're so encouraged by your experience with Piranha 2, folks. <laughs> All right. Wait, no, 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 no. Okay. This, okay. H.A. Milton is Charles H. Eagley, who is an actual screenwriter who co-created the series Dark Angel with James Cameron. Let's move on. This... <laughs> Don't need to understand the, the complicated writing credits of Piranha 2, The Spawning. Right. Number seven, Christian. Th- throw it out. My number seven is The Abyss. It has to be. Okay. So we're shared in that. I, I, I will say, looking on just Letterboxd, it's got its fans. And, and with the people that I follow, and, and so I can compare my star ratings against them, I'm in a little bit of a hot take territory. I'm also almost. on the lower end of this yeah. movie. We're both, we're both at three stars, it looks like, just as a, a framing for our, uh, our, our brief review here. But Oh, for everyone who does not know what The Abyss is, The Abyss is his movie that he made in between Aliens and Terminator 2. Yes. And it is basically the story of an underwater exploration, deep sea... They're like an oil crew that gets yeah. pulled into this governmental mission. And they're trying to find out if there's like a nuclear warhead underneath or if there's like Russian activity underneath because it's set, I'm assuming, during the Cold War. It, yeah, late 80s, end of the Cold War. Yeah. And, and uh, what they do is that they discover, they discover that there is something um, not of this world that is underseas. But because of the tight um, paranoia that occurs when you are under these pressurized scenarios, they start to distrust each other. Let's just, let's just say that's the, the main thing driving the story forward. I think that it has the bones of an interesting story. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it comes together well. I, I would agree. I think the... Obviously, James Cameron wrote and directed this movie, so there's not really a piece of it that is outside of his control. But some of this stuff is very Cameron-esque. You know, of course, undersea exploration and, and diving. That's his baby. He, he loves this, this kind of... He loves the actual act of doing it, and then so to put it on screen, you know, Cameron just does it all the time. And a lot of that stuff is actually genuinely cool. Like, seeing the, the world of this deep-sea oil rig... And the tools that they use to explore un- underwater, some of that stuff is genuinely cool. And the craft on display is amazing. Getting these sets, the creature and, work, yeah, it, it, it is interesting. But yeah. also, it feels like he's like, it feels like he's testing out creature work for stuff to use later. It feels like he's testing out underwater stuff for him to use later. Yeah, there's some early visual effects used in this movie. Uh, of course, you know, 89, this is right around the time that CGI is going to, like, almost able to be used more frequently. And what they find is CGI. And it honestly could look so much worse mm-hmm. for the time period. Uh, I will say that my, my problem is that I think that the science fiction elements of the story just don't integrate very well with the otherwise pretty realistic and naturalistic almost elements of the story when it comes to this deep sea oil crew and these yeah. marines who are trying to investigate what happens to this american submarine and it, it it holds its cards too close to its chest for too long in terms of what is actually down there 
because when we get that reveal, I think it's cool. I just wish we'd gotten there before instead of having to deal with the Marines. Now, um, honestly, well, who is it? It's it's Ed Harris. Ed Harris is with Mary Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, who was a really <clears throat> big star around this time. Michael Bean also came back to work mm-hmm. with Cameron again after being in The Terminator and in Aliens. And then there's a cast of, of character actors with them. Probably some faces that you'll recognize, but uh, one one I did was Chris Elliott. This is right before he appeared in a Groundhog Day with, with Tom Hanks and Andy McDowell. And there's a few other faces people might recognize. Todd Graff is a guy that I recognize because he appeared in Strange Days, which mm-hmm. was directed by Bigelow, produced by, produced and written by Cameron. So, you know, there's a lot of character actors that you may, you know, you'll, you'll pick up a face or remember and, someone. And something that we didn't mention about Piranha 2, that is also a theme here. These are both marriage movies. Indeed. <laughs> Our guy, James Cameron. He, James Cameron loves marriage. Christian. He's done it so many times. He's done it so many times. <laughs> and he returns to married couples in his movies quite a bit. Uh, in Piranha 2, the spawning Lance Henriksen and the, the female lead are a married couple on the rocks. She cheats on him in the movie <laughs> and then to like protect their son at some point and then in the abyss ed harris and mary elizabeth mastrotonio's characters are married but in the process of separating and, and getting divorced and of course they they find their way back into each other's arms <laughs> and so it, it's just funny to see cameron return to this gail ann hurd is is a producer on the abyss and notably one of Cameron's romantic and creative partners early on in his career. And you get the sense, I'm pretty sure actually that this movie was made while their marriage was like falling apart. And you can see Cameron like desperately reaching out. (laughs) No, Gail, no. But you know, she moved on from him and they probably, they may have both been the better for it. So do do you remember when, when, when she, she almost drowned? Yes. There is an uncomfortable scene in this movie where Harris is trying to resuscitate Master Antonio, and it, it, it did not age well. It has not aged well. We'll it's, leave it at that. Aged very poorly. Uh, I also really, really liked Michael Bean in the Abyss. He, he I, th- I thought he was trying too hard. He, it worked for me. He he gets a chance to be a little more villainous after being heroic in in the Terminator and in Aliens. And so Christian says trying too hard. Scott says two thumbs up for Michael Bean. All right. So now. We have covered what we both believe in, what is probably all around believed to be two of his lower end movies. At six, I put Avatar. Wow. Okay, Christian. At six, I put True Lies. No. Yes. No. Yes, I did. Absolutely not. That, I'm sorry. True you, Lies is going higher. I, we're, I'm, I don't care what your list looks like. I'm talking about mine. I'm talking about our rankings. We're not making a shared list. Yes, we are. Why are we making a shared list? That was the entire purpose of this episode. We talked about making our own lists. No. On our production meeting, listeners. <laughs> the purpose of this episode was to together make a shared list. Well, Christian. And number six for Scott is True Lies. We haven't talked about it on this podcast. More movies must be True Lies. Christian wants more movies to be True Lies, even though lots of movies already are. So, True Lies... They're not as good as True Lies. <laughs> ...follows uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger teaming up in a non-Terminator role with James Cameron. Alongside Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Who looks incredible. Uh, also, yes. And Tom Arnold as well. Schwarzenegger <clears throat> is a, a spy, Harry Tasker, who tells his family that he is a, a salesman who travels around the world to these conferences where he makes deals. Very boring sales jobs. So we can hide the fact that he is a, an international assassin or 
exploder of <laughs> and, and, vehicles. And, <laughs> and he realizes that all the time he's spending abroad means he's neglecting his wife. Of course, yes. Marriage movie. And so what... It's so... Yes. Oh my goodness, this is such an entertaining, incredible... This is funny. This is... Like, yes, he wrote a comedy and it works. All the jokes work. The... The action set pieces are amazing. The action set pieces are amazing. And when you watch this movie, True Lies was the first movie that ever had a $100 million budget or higher, made in 1994. You can see all of that work put into it. It looks so much better than a lot of other action movies of the time and, and even some action movies of today. There's some CGI that, yeah, we can tell now it doesn't look amazing, but so many of the other action sequences just have that Cameron flair to them where you can tell there's a ton of practical work put into it to make it look awesome and it totally pays off okay so i have true lies at four okay true lies cannot be six well well christian i'm confused because i thought you would have it at like one based on how you reacted you put avatar at six i put avatar at six so Christian. Avatar, highest grossing movie of all time. Yes. Fantastic. We we talked about it at length last week. Yes. Very cool. Yes. The the sequel is one of the most anticipated things in my life. Yes. And yet he has reached greater heights. Well, that I mean that's the problem with Cameron is that. For most of us normal folks who aren't interested in making hot takes about his career, he's just had banger after banger for the most part. <laughs> he's participated. He's created franchises. He's participated in franchises. He's got incredible original movies. Look, when your number six movie is four out of five stars and you've only made eight movies, it's a win. That is true. So we'll have to we'll have to see what happens with the order here, Christian. I'm, okay. So we're we're debating on where to place Avatar and True Lies. Uh, at number five, Christian, you're going to hate me for this. What did you have? I had the Terminator. I had Aliens. No. <laughs> Once again, Christian has, has denied my, my tastes. I will say, I, when I watched Terminator 2 originally, it was under very strange circumstances. I No, watched... I, I have the first Terminator. Yes, I do. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just describing my experiences with James Cameron's movies. When I saw the original, I saw Terminator 2 for the first time, I watched the, like, extreme cut, which is, like, extended edition. I borrowed from the library back in Ohio, because I was visiting with my family, and I was literally leaving Ohio that day, but I wanted to make sure I watched this library movie that I had borrowed from the library. And my mom was also having a long conversation with a friend of hers in another room that I could fully hear while I was watching Terminator 2. So I really enjoyed it, but it was a strange experience. And I returned to it, and I liked it even more. And I'm pretty sure that will happen with me in Aliens, because this time, when I was watching Aliens, I ended up having someone come over to my home and fix my sink. And I'm greatly appreciative, because the sink was clogged and nasty. Shout out. It, shout out to yes. person who fixed your shout sink. Shout out to Juan. He is, lives in my complex. He's a very nice guy. Very, Amazing. very handy and helpful. And... <clears throat> The, the sink was like filling with crap and needed to be fixed. So I had to pause Aliens for well over an hour in the middle of it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, I totally believe that I'll have a better experience with Aliens when I watch it again. I still really like it. It's an incredible movie. But for me, I just like the other movies that remain on my list more. Okay, Aliens, incredible, incredible creature work. Yeah. 
fantastic, honestly, war movie setting up yeah. of this um, random moon planet asteroid random thing that they're on. Yeah. Great set pieces. Great yeah. final fight. Yeah. Maybe the best. Like he loves his ending lines. Maybe the best of the ending lines that he's made. Um. I okay. All right. I have the Terminator, which I think is phenomenal. Um, introduced us to Arnold Schwarzenegger's out of this world robot, where where you know he looks like a Ken doll for part of it. <laughs> it, it and fantastic, just um, uh, what's horror uh, monster hunter kind of, and by that I mean the monsters hunting you kind of a thing. Um, great sci-fi thing, great iconography. Great shot when the Terminator has lost all of its skin, and fantastic Linda Hamilton performance. I just think it gets outshined in the other movies. Like you're saying here, this is not a list where we're fighting about which movies suck more than others. We're just trying to we're trying to figure out which movies rock harder. Okay. <laughs> like I, I am the Terminator is my number four. Uh, it's it, it's such a, a fun movie and, and everything that you just said I 100% agree with I, I mean it's it's got these rock star performances iconic characters great lines great horror flavored science fiction filmmaking I mean just an absolute banger so we're we're in a, a tight spot here because we are still in disagreement over several of these movies <laughs> okay I think okay all right, I it's just I cannot have True Lies at six, but I cannot have Aliens at five. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's you know what? Let's trudge on. What's your number three? My, my number okay, three. Let me get my number three. My number three is T two. My number three is Titanic. <laughs> Christian, I'm, I'm exasperating. I really thought we were making our own lists here. I thought I might just defend you. Didn't think that we would have to push these two lists together. Kate and Leo, baby. They're unbelievable. They're number three on my list. <laughs> okay. Um, you're far, you're you are. Okay. Christian, um, my heart will go okay. <laughs> All right. This is not going well. Christian. Yeah? My number three is, is Titanic. Your number three is T2. Okay. What's your number two? My number two is Aliens. My number two is T2. So, what's your number one? Titanic. And my number one is Avatar. So. What the frick? <laughs> so, here what we go. Here we go. <laughs> I wanted to get that out of the way. So, the rest of this exercise can continue with the, the okay. jump scare for you out of the way. Okay. Okay. Look. I fear that oh. I have... Uh, Christian's system is rebooting right now. There was just a oh, man. Okay. shock to the system. All and right. look, there are other people out there who would beat me up for having Avatar as my favorite James Cameron movie. And you don't care. I don't care. Normally I do. Right now I don't. Okay, okay. wait. Your number two is? Terminator 2. Okay. And your number three is Titanic. Yes. All right. Um, Which all of those movies are four and a half out of five star movies for me so then I think that right now it's T2 and Titanic fighting for the one and two spot I yes that that makes sense I would say yes Avatar Avatar I'm down to put at three 
even though it hurts me. Christian? It's a Scott Lentz favorite. And it, it, there are, you can discuss it critically and you can compare it to his other movies. But in terms of my favorite James Cameron movies, okay. Avatar, right there in the sweet spot. All right, what about, um, okay, are eight and seven are set? Yes, they are. <laughs> One through six remains. At any point, okay, what are your ties to the Terminator? What are my ties to the Terminator? Like, do you need it to be high? Christian, how do you rank the Terminator outside the top four James Cameron movies? It's unbelievable. I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. You're trying to advocate for, for True Lies. <laughs> true Lies is so good, man. Look, True Lies is very good, but there, my biggest problem with that movie is the, the dynamic between Schwarzenegger and Curtis for the first, like, hour and maybe 20 minutes of that movie. Which is because, part of the movie's appeal that you realize you're spending no time with her. And yes, no, this... no, no, no. It, it, I don't have problems with that. I think that's a totally normal like storyline for a movie. My problem is the, the pretty uncomfortable ways that they get Jamie Lee Curtis into the movie. Because there is some just flat out kind of sexist plot beats in that movie. 100%. That, when you, I mean, it just makes me uncomfortable to watch. And the striptease so, scene is both uncomfortable and yet amazing. Correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's just like that one, is, that's the big flaw in True Lies, where in a lot of these other movies, uh, it, it's still a movie that I really like and I would 100% watch again someday, where it's The Abyss, maybe, Piranha 2, definitely not. But everything else above it, I just enjoyed so much more. So True Lies, for me, it's, it's a movie that I really like and I'm glad that I finally seen it. It just has a couple big flaws that hold it back in comparison to the others on the list. Great. So Terminator is six and True Lies is five. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're putting Terminator at six. Oh, Christian. Good I am letting you grief. put... Okay. Good grief. Look. This is how I think the list should be. Tom Arnold ranks higher for you. Piranha 2, The Abyss, The Terminator... True Lies. The Ulcer. Aliens. Aliens of four, Christian says, through clenched teeth. Avatar. <laughs> I was here to cause chaos. It's Monday morning. You Give me Christian's week a strong you know start. F you. T2, then Titanic. Uh, what's the order? Okay. What, what do you mean? Okay. So Terminator 2 at 2. Yes. Okay. Do we have major issues? I mean, look, when it comes to actually making a list of Cameron movies, this was not a very hard exercise because I have a sort of sense of how these movies sit with me at, you know, at present, but they do come in blocks where like Avatar, Terminator 2, and Titanic, a little bit interchangeable for me. And, and who knows, I, I've only seen Titanic once, whereas I've seen Terminator 2 twice and I've seen Avatar like five times. So that's part of the thing for me is that Avatar is the movie of his that I've seen the most. It was my first James Cameron movie, the one I enjoy the most. And it's hard to take it out of that top spot because I appreciate it so much. More time with these movies, rewatch them over the years, see, want to see something on the big screen when I've only seen it at home. Who knows? I mean, it, it could definitely change my, my opinion here. So I can't really I'm complain. I'm just really sad. I am complaining. Why are you sad, Christian? I'm complaining because Aliens for you is a four movie. <laughs> to be fair, Aliens is at number five on my list. 
<laughs> if you recall, <laughs> the Terminator ranks just ahead of it. <laughs> Look, there are people, again, after they beat me up for the Avatar number one thing, they would realize that Aliens is number five, and they would circle back and come beat me up again. I'd be limping my way to the hospital, but... I mean, I think people would also... I think... The, no, the cool thing to say is that Terminator 2 is his best movie. I mean, I don't think that's the cool thing to say. I think that's just commonly held opinion. <laughs> is it commonly held? Yeah. Cause well, I don't know if it's commonly held over Aliens. I, I guess that's fair. Like, those are normally the two that people hold up in high esteem. Titanic has too many detractors and people who think it like, ah, it's just a big blockbuster movie. And for the Terminator, people normally say T2 is... Improves on it, it's better. Okay, but so on. So it, I to, again, I could watch Aliens a second time, and I could be blown away. I could see it all the way through in one. We sitting. need to get through this, man. Number eight is Piranha Two. Yes, it is. Number Absolutely. seven is The Abyss. Yes, it is. Number six. Okay, do you want to compromise with me here? Or do you want to compromise with me later on? I I don't know. What's what's the compromise here, Christian? The Terminator. <laughs> tisk tisk. Sure. Number five. True Lies. Great. Number four, Aliens. Number three, um, the frick is number three? Avatar. Number three, Avatar. Number two, T2. Yes. Number one, Titanic. There it is. Does that seem fair? You know, I mean, perhaps. What was your number one again, Christian? Titanic. So your number one gets to be number one, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> That's what I'm here. We want to put Terminator 2 at number one to, to sate both of our frustrations. No, I'm good. I don't want to be frustrated. Put your lies over Terminator in an act of, act of great shame. And you let your number one be number one. And the shared list that I wasn't intending to make. You know, True Lies has its fans too. There, there are a it's lot of streaming people streaming on Hulu. Streaming on Hulu. There are a lot of people who love True Lies. So it's honestly, also, I think it would be a great Christmas movie, like to watch around the holidays. It's what? got, it's got a lot of ice. It does. Opening scene. <laughs> the opening scene set in Europe. <laughs> the only scene in Europe, the entire movie. Okay, no, it, it's a very feel-good movie. I mean, it, look, True Lies. The way that I would describe it is, it's, it's the most conventional movie that James Cameron ever made. And I wish he had made more. It is. It's like a Hollywood templated movie, but with James Cameron's flair put over the template, which, which means it's great. But oh my goodness, man! <laughs> and look, Avatar is actually probably a worse offender in terms of templated movies. But that that was just my feeling on True Lies. Plus, so you throw in the the some of the complicated <laughs> gender dynamics between <laughs> Schwarzenegger and Curtis. Okay, and, he's a very. I, I, I shouldn't say this after you say problematic gender dynamics. He's a very old-fashioned filmmaker. Like, he likes classical romances. And That's true. he likes, um, you know, when the hero wins at the end. And, and, and yeah, I mean, he loves subverting expectations. So when the hero wins, they don't win in the way that you expect them to. But he loves the killer ending line, and he loves popcorn flicks. He's definitely said that he... Never wants to like make a movie to put it on a festival circuit, but just directly to give to an audience, and that's what True Lies is. I think it's cheer after cheer. Look, you know, Christian, we've gotten a lot of movies over the past few years. Directors reflecting on their childhoods: Roma, The Fablemans, Bardo, Empire of Light, Belfast. A lot of these types of movies coming out. 
When is James Cameron going to make his reflecting on his childhood, late career masterwork? You know, just I give mean, James Cameron a you know fifteen after million Avatar dollar budget. Five. <laughs> make it through some avatars, and then we get James Cameron's early childhood stories of falling in love with the sea and <laughs> his deep desire to explore it and, and make some science fiction movies along the way. I'd watch it, Christian. Great. Imagine James Cameron, just like $10 million budget, he, he Fox to- Searchlight. <laughs> he told the story of when he was young, he went to see 2001, and then afterwards he stepped out of movie theater and threw up because it was such a visceral reaction for him. That'd be cool to see on screen. Some some ten year old actor <laughs> comes out of two thousand one. <laughs> yeah. All right, Christian. I think we we've got a decent shared list here. We've we've made it work. We made it happen. We like James Cameron. Always desired to, but never could. We worked through our differences, and we we emerge still together with this this list. Um, so once again, that is Piranha Two: The Spawning at eight, The Abyss at seven, The Terminator. True Lies, Aliens, Avatar, T2 at number two, and number one, Titanic. Maybe the movie we've talked about the least as we've sifted through these other movies. Well, that's because we spent an entire month like, giving it its praises and having it win Best Picture of that month, which, by the way, we need to get through our awards for this month. That's true. We, we did not get to our awards last week, so it's, it's time for the, the Cameron Blend of the Month Awards here. Now that we have our list, Christian, fire away with the categories. <laughs> Uh, best concept, best performance, and best picture. Best concept, best performance, and best picture. And for these, we're only dealing with The Terminator, T2, Judgment Day, Aliens, and Avatar. All right. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. All right. Be- I mean, best concept for me is Terminator 2. Okay. I think taking the original Terminator and sending Arnold back in time... As a hero, that you know, to, to really subvert audience expectations, was just a an incredible decision on their part. They they had talked about other actors um, potentially returning from the first movie, but uh, for the ones who did return, mainly Hamilton and, and Schwarzenegger, I, I think that's just the that just I mean it just I'm grateful it worked out that way. And then getting to go on the the journey, having a very changed Sarah Connor getting to meet young John Connor and their attempts to stop Skynet from launching. Just just an incredible action movie. And again, I love Avatar, but the concept of Avatar, you know, aside from the, like, the visual effects, sure, but the story concept, we've you know, been there, done that. The original Terminator, incredible concept. Terminator 2 just slightly improves on it for me. Uh, same for Aliens. Again, great concept, but these are all great concepts, and so I'm going with Terminator 2. What about I'm going you? with Avatar because honestly... Uh, and honestly, I'm surprised he didn't choose Avatar. The how he was able to create this world, and uh, Josh Larson, whom we've mentioned on this show before, says that he built a beautiful utopia. That even when the Navi like step, there's like a little blue light that seems to emanate from, or like a pulsing that emanates from where they're stepping because they're so in tune with the nature and with what's around them. And, um, yeah, you know, the creature designs don't necessarily work for me. The the um, CGI isn't always my thing in that movie specifically. But how everything works in tandem, even, like, we make fun of the hair sex scene, but it's an interesting idea, like, to be one with something, to connect with something, to, to, to be able to upload your 
prayers into this world and therefore have them always exist in this world. I think it's it, like it, it takes a mastermind to be able to have all of it work together that well. Yeah, I mean, the reason I didn't go with Avatar, although I appreciate your reasoning, I, I think in terms of best concept for me, that's best, you know, best story concept, not not necessarily best like conceptual world. Which brings you to something else. James Cameron is a great screenwriter of structure. Yeah, I mean, he writes. He again, he's never been nominated by the Academy for his writing. That's because they like dialogue. They they do like dialogue, but. Again, he he's you know he's not a, a screenwriter who changed the game in terms of character development or dialogue like you're saying, but he does write great scripts for big budget movies. And whenever his movies don't work, it, it some like I, I I guess his movies work far often than they don't for me. And Prana Two isn't his fault. <laughs> and something like The Abyss is really the only one where I would say mm, I don't think this worked for me. True Lies has its you know few problems, but structurally these movies are rock solid. All right, best performance, and I think that there are only two that we're choosing between. Oh, uh, maybe three. No, three. I mean, Sam Worthington. As... <laughs> Yo, Sam Worthington did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yes, he did. But he is—he's got some some incredible competition here. This is hard because obviously, Sigourney Weaver here received some attention from the Academy. Speaking of the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Very unusual for the type of movie that she's in, and she crushes that movie. And yet we also have two Lynn Hamilton performances to choose from, two Schwarzenegger performances to choose from. I think it comes down between those three. Yeah, and, and so it's this is a hard one for me. I, I think ultimately I am going to go with Linda Hamilton same. in T2. And same. There we go, there we go. Uh, again, extending from Terminator 2 as best concept for, for me... Getting to see the development of Sarah Connor in that way is a very bold choice, both on Cameron's part and on Hamilton's part as the actor. So many times we get, I mean, almost every time we get a sequel and it's a continuation of the character's journey. We see, you know, we feel warmly towards them. We feel happy about them. They're, they're making good choices that we feel like we can support. They're the hero of the story, right? But Sarah Connor in T2 is in a very dark place. She is very troubled. She's been institutionalized. And abused knows, and abused and yeah. knows that she's in the right, but nobody will ever believe her, and she has and to she deal with that. She sticks to it. Yeah, she sticks to it, and we see the ways that you know she goes on a new journey when it when compared to the original Terminator, and it's such a feat of acting for me that Linda Hamilton can pull off the sort of naive and kinder version of Sarah Connor in the Terminator. And the action star version of Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. I, you know, I, in some ways, sort of walking in the template Sigourney Weaver created with Alien and Aliens. So hard, hard to choose between the two of them. But what, what, what got you to pick Hamilton over Weaver? There's a fierceness and a ferocity to both of their performances. But there's something almost calculated on, on Lena Hamilton. Well, calculated is actually the wrong word. Her life is continually in turmoil. Her life and the future crash down against her. And she does... Th- this is honestly also a movie which we've never talked about, about people not believing women. And if you have that lens when you view this movie, the, the ways that she sticks to what it is that she knows to be true and how it is that it will affect her and how it has already affected her and her family... 
um, there's a hardness there that, that's, that's captivating. And watching her in this performance is captivating. And, and honestly, so impressive considering that her performance in The Terminator is also fantastic but completely different. And to watch her like grow and be able to mature the character and make the story beats that make you think, yeah, this is what a, a what is it, um, an eight-year or, well, actually in the movies it would be about a 12-year thing would do to this individual. I, I, I was sold. I was so sold on it. So, highly recommend it. Also, watch Chuck for make it to season four where you get more Linda Shout Hamilton. Out to Chuck. <laughs> yeah, I really want to see. The, I've made it through the Terminator franchise, um, but I, I haven't seen Terminator Genesis or Terminator Dark Fate yet. And Linda Hamilton makes a return to the franchise in Dark Fate. That she's not bad in there. I know. I know some people. Still, they hate both of those movies. Some people came around on Dark Fate and said they actually liked it. So I'm, I'm curious to watch those two and see. Because I know for me, the franchise falls off a cliff with Terminator 3 and then Terminator Salvation, which is one of... Yeah, it's not good. So we shall see. Anyway, Christian, best picture of this blend of the month. It's not, I mean, we've already announced our respective <laughs> movies. For it's me, cool. mine's Avatar. For you... It's Aliens. It's Aliens. And so we, we, we both get some aliens in our best picture. For me, Avatar, again, it's just the movie that I, I feel the most fondly towards. I, I, there's obvious problems with it, and <coughs> despite that, it's still the movie that I, I love the most. And, and watching it again, I just got so excited to return to Pandora with Avatar 2 coming up in less than a month from when we're recording this episode. And when we're going to watch it together. Yeah, we're going to see it together. I mean, I'm just... I'm so, so excited. Uh, from the concept and the execution of that world like you were describing. Can we watch it in 3D? Uh, we, can ex- we can explore the possibility. <laughs> Bro, he made it to be watched in 3D. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just Avatar for me. Just I had to pick it, and I'll take my, my punches from the, the film community for it. <laughs> and, and Aliens, I just think, is phenomenal. In, in, in how he grabbed the concept and expanded on the, on the world... And gave us these cool characters, all of whom we want to follow, and who had, had just amazing fight scenes. And honestly, it's not a horror movie. It's an action movie, but it's so horrific, some of the things that you see that they encounter. And to be able to do that to someone else's property, to, to something that he did not originate himself, shows, I think, how skilled he is at what he's doing, even when he's not the originator of an idea. Um, now... Another, I mean, another name that's really popular for us, Sean Fennessy, different film critic slash, you know, podcaster about these movies, says, he only has eight movies, and yet you can hold up James Cameron's eight narrative features against any other directors. And, and like, the name he gave was John Ford, who I cannot, you know, say because I have not seen a John, oh, maybe I've seen one. I think I've seen a John Ford movie. I have seen... Did you watch Stagecoach? Yeah, I've seen Stagecoach. Film school, (laughs) film classes, baby. All right, there, I mean, any famous or well-regarded director in history that I know of that I've seen, I mean, I know that Martin Scorsese has, like, what, over 20 directed narrative features? Well over that, yeah. I would hold these eight against those. Like, and, and that, to me, is, is, is a feat to, to hold your own and to hold such cultural zeitgeist like this. 
So, man. Yeah, I mean, Cameron, he is the, the master of the multiplex. His, he literally has made two of the three biggest movies of all time, neither of which are connected to a franchise. Titanic obviously adapted from a real-world event, but that movie was a phenomenon. And Avatar, again, a completely original science fiction concept that became the first $2 billion movie. This, this guy knows his way around a triple A big budget movie. He has he created the Terminator franchise, which is one of the most iconic Hollywood franchises of the last however many years, 40 years, and participated in the Alien franchise. And, and even his misfires, you can argue whether that, be, that would be the Abyss or something else, are still far more interesting than so many other filmmakers' misses. Something like Piranha 2, you gotta just throw out because he didn't even get to finish that movie. And when you consider the movies that he has made, maybe the seven minus Piranha 2, it's an unimpeachable run. And it's kind of a shame that he t you know, took some diversions to make some documentaries <laughs> in between there. And he hasn't made a movie since Avatar. But with the gaps between his movies, it just makes a James Cameron film a bigger event. The anticipation builds. Who are the directors who have followed? I, I'm, I mean, the names that come to mind right now are Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve. Who have like followed in his fold, because they also make movies for that type of arena, and 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 like the three are different, and the three have different pacing styles, and the three, um, well, don't well, Christopher Nolan always writes his movies except for one, which is Insomnia, but um, Denis Villeneuve doesn't necessarily write his movies, but he has now started to. It, it's it, it's like you know that filmmaker who does it for the world, that filmmaker who. who who's wanting you know people to sit down and to open and people trust them and like movie studios trust them to yeah. do it i mean we don't really we don't have them anymore like nolan and, and villeneuve even, even villeneuve like he's made what 10 movies and i saw the gun around some of his earlier stuff but <clears throat> even those movies not all of them are big budget not all of them are massive blockbusters something like prisoners even has a an awesome cast, but that's you know that's a kind of dark and, and gritty, detectiveish, noirish story. It's it's not like a Dune, like a big science fiction right, spectacle. Right, right. So I mean, Cameron is really he's one of he's the last of a dying breed almost. If it weren't for Nolan, who is as successful relatively as he is in terms of having these big budget original movies that pop off at the box office. I mean, even Nolan himself had to work with Batman for a while to, <laughs> to make some giant movies, some billion-dollar movies. So those are the two names that I would put up there with him in terms of modern-day filmmakers who are worth watching for the, the big-budget blockbuster experience. Because a lot of times it's the characters, the franchise, the IP that people are going to see. Because we don't have, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for example, like, that is a draw in and of itself. And you or I could step into the, you know, the directorial chair and we would be moderately successful because both of us would make at least 500 million. Yeah, exactly. And 500 million would be a bomb. And, and it would. And you, and you can see with those movies sometimes the directors they bring in either are not as successful after the MCU or just don't make big action movies like this once they make it. Let's stop so. there and segue because two things. Avatar is coming out. We're both going to see it. Paul's going to see it. We're potentially going to revisit that conversation. And maybe we'll re-rank and put Avatar somewhere here. Outside of that, 
we just talked about how James Cameron creates his own franchises, doesn't work in the system of someone else's. Um, but we're going to talk about the MCU next time. And here we are, Christian. We have, uh, I think, a, what will be a very fun episode coming up next time. And we're bringing back some, some old friends of the show. Correct. We're bringing back Tyler Penn. We are bringing back Timmy Gibson. Good old Timmy. And we are doing the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie draft. Yeah, so movie drafts have become a very, very fun and popular concept in movie podcasting. If you're not familiar, basically we will treat it almost like a fantasy football draft where we will have a few different categories that we're picking specifically Marvel Cinematic Universe movies from. And we will do our, our best to create the best lists and we'll have people vote on the winner. So that'll be a really fun time and I've been looking forward to this for a while. We You came up with this idea, Christian, and you came up with it a few months ago. It's hard to believe it's already here. But we have seen Black Panther Wakanda forever. We're caught up with the MCU, all four phases of it. And we will then get a chance to discuss some of them next time on the show with Tyler and Timmy coming back. Here's hoping that I don't almost kill Timmy again like I did last time. <laughs> Love you, buddy. I will say Phase 4 was a disappointment. Yeah, Phase 4 on the whole, not as successful as previous phases. Let's save it for next week. Or, save or, it for or, next week. I mean, this next week is Thanksgiving. No, this week's Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Frick. This week oh, is Thanksgiving. Well, happy Black Friday. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, and you know what? Um, that's that's it. Like, like, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, hey, folks, if you're still here, we appreciate you listening. And even though that's it. And there are a few things that you can do to support the show, of course. Number one, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also leave us a rating or a review. Those five-star reviews really warm our hearts. And it's also nice to see those listener reviews come in. Love to shout those out on the show. Haven't gotten a new one in a while. So we'd love a chance to read that out here on the show. You can also send us some of your feedback to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We are regularly checking that inbox, trying to get some listener feedback there, make sure we can incorporate your ideas into the show. And I say this all the time, but just as a reminder, we have used listener feedback on the show before. We have done blends of the month because a listener recommended them. We've shouted out their ranked lists when we're doing a ranking episode like this. We have even had folks come on the show after emailing in with their ideas and they get to go into a little more depth. So would sincerely love to hear from you listeners, whether it's a, a movie you want us to discuss, a blend of the month idea you have, or you want to tell us why we're so both so dumb about The Abyss and how The Abyss should be way higher than number seven. Okay, on our it should Cameron not Brand be. List. It should not be. Some people think it should, Christian. I'd love to hear from you at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter and Christian on Instagram. And the both of us are on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. I haven't gotten my Piranha 2 review in yet, but it's coming, folks. And you probably have an inkling of what kind of star rating it's going to get. So you can see my James Cameron rankings on Letterboxd there. I think I'll give it a 2. Really? Oh, you're thinking one and a half? <laughs> thinking one. One, not, <laughs> one star for Piranha 2, Christian. <laughs> Next week on the show, it'll be the MCU draft with Tyler Penn and Timmy Gibson. It'll be fun to hear from those two again. Christian, any I think final I'm gonna, thoughts? I think I'm going to bring in a third person to moderate. Interesting. Because me moderating last year was difficult. Well, you were unofficially forced into that position because I was slowly unraveling at some of the opinions being, being shared by my, my beloved co-hosts. So perhaps a moderator would be good for us. 
But Christian, until then, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? No. Go watch a James Cameron movie, folks. Avatar 2 is Thir- coming. Six out of the eight. Highly recommend. One. Uh, other one. Don't, don't do it. Don't so, do it. Don't be like you Christian. six options. And purchase Piranha 2. What, would you have rather I rented it when I could have bought it for the same price? No, I, I support that financial decision. But until next time, folks, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.